0: So Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, rejoice. I have a, developed a tradition, I guess, of uh, talking about Thanksgiving on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. In the past, I've talked about contentment and, and being thankful and so on. Today, I want to talk about joy or happiness. I'm using the terms interchangeably. Philippians 4.4 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say it, Rejoice. Am I the only person in the room who reads that verse and feels like a failure? I actually don't like this verse because it condemns me because I don't rejoice all the time. Rejoice is actually a really strong word. It's a very strong word. And Paul says, rejoice in the Lord all the time. I don't feel that. It is my natural emotion and uh, my natural personality to just be calm. And still. And when I am calm and still, I get accused of being angry because when my face relaxes, I look mad. And I get accused of that all the time. And so, no, really, I'm not, you know. So I read this verse and it actually, I don't like it because it's not uh, something I feel very often. It's a foreign feeling to me to be really jacked up, pumped, vibrating, energetically excited. I don't feel that. I love to laugh. I think I have a great sense of humor. I love telling jokes. I like really stupid comedy movies like UHF. We love Nacho and Princess Bride and Napoleon at our house. That's, that's our sense of humor. We, so happiness is certainly not a stranger to me, but most of the time I'm not feeling Happy. I feel responsibility. I feel my to-do list hanging over my head. I feel pressure is what I feel most of the time. Sometimes I feel happiness, especially if I'm out in the mountains and I'm exploring a new place I've never been and I get to some view I haven't seen before. That makes me feel something. Music, even more than anything else, music makes me feel calm, peaceful, releases emotion. Uh, I can be I can be very happy listening to good music. Sometimes I feel happiness when our family, all our kids are at home in the evening, which is very rare now that they're all in high school. And uh, when we're all together on an evening and not have something to rush off and do, that makes me feel happy sometimes. But I suppose some of you will identify that it is very easy to feel lonely or sad or stressed Uh, It's very easy to feel angry. It's completely natural for us to feel self-pity or fear or anxiety or condemnation or rejection. But to rejoice in the Lord would be something I would have to be super intentional about. I would have to do that on purpose. That's not natural or thoughtless or easy. I would have to be extra careful about doing that on purpose. If I am overcome with emotion while I'm worshiping or reading my Bible or praying, it usually comes out as tears tears. Not as happiness. I'm, it's usually an emotional release of stress and, and fear coming out rather than uh, I just feel giddy. So if there's anybody who can identify with us, it's David. You know, David felt the whole spectrum of emotion and he wrote it all out in song and he sang it all back to God. And here's what he says in Psalm 42, 1 to 6. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul within me. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I will remember you. And in the next Psalm 43, verse 5, he says, he's talking to himself here. Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. David sings this, he writes this song, and the lyrics of his song, he's singing to his own heart. Why am I disturbed, heart? Why are you down? Think on God, he will change your countenance. So he says, I'm downcast and I'm disturbed. But he says... I will hope in God and I will praise him. He is the help of my countenance. If you know the word countenance, you know that means your face. But it's more than your face. It means in Hebrew and Greek and English, the word countenance means the attitude of your face. It's not our physical face. Our countenance is our smile or a frown. David says, I feel downcast and disturbed. So I will praise God and it will change my face. Notice, he doesn't say, it will change how I feel. It will change my face. Hello? He talks to himself, as he does in several psalms. Psalm 103 is another one, where he says, praise the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Suck it up, David. Come on. Let's praise God. Let's get out of this funk. Let's praise God. So David says, I feel downcast and disturbed, I am going to intentionally praise God and it will change my face. It will put a smile on my face. He is going to act like he's happy even when he doesn't feel like it. You know what that is? That's faith. Come on, you've heard that since June. Live like it's true before it happens. He says, even when I feel really bad, my remedy is to worship God and it will change my face. Do you know it's possible to change your attitude by faith? It is. Somebody would say, well, that's being fake. Well, no, it's not. It's faith. I've talked to you at length in the last few months about how our words and our attitude steer our life toward one thing or another. And we can be happy by faith. We can rejoice by faith even when we don't feel like it. It is possible to have very strong Feelings of depression or sadness or anger or unforgiveness or whatever. And to fight those feelings. To reject those feelings. I got a quote from Misty Edwards. I don't know the context of this. Somebody just made a graphic out of it. She says, we express our love to God by resisting emotions contrary to his will. Notice she doesn't say by denying that I'm feeling these bad things, but resist them. We express Our love to God by resisting emotions contrary to his will. It's not a sin to feel bad feelings. It's not a sin to be tempted to sin, but it is a sin to give in to them. What does it mean to resist feelings? Well, we live by faith in the spirit of God. And our feelings are either physical or they're emotional in our what the Bible calls our flesh. If you are a Christian, if you are living by faith in the Spirit, the Bible says, by the Spirit put to death the deeds of the body, the deeds of the flesh. Did you know you can kill your feelings, but negative feelings? Because if you are living by faith in the Word of God and in His promises and in His salvation, it is actually not fake to resist your feelings. It is actually your feelings that are the lie. If you are a believer and you are living by faith, it is actually your feelings that are lying to you because you can have super powerful feelings of loneliness, of sadness, of nobody cares, nobody understands that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit of God in you, that is a hundred percent lie. Fight it. It's not a sin to have the feeling, but there's nothing good about those feelings If you live by faith and you hear what I'm saying and you're like, well, I feel horrible. I feel nasty. I feel alone. I feel stressed. I feel angry. I feel sad. And then you come out in public and, oh, everything is okay. Everything is all right. That would be a lie. That would be a lie. But if by faith you understand that the way I feel is not what God has said about me, and what God has said about me is truer than my feelings. I understand it's not being fake to deny my feelings. When we live by faith, it's actually our emotions that are not true. The flesh is the liar and the words and the spirit are the truth. So the world has a phrase called fake it till you make it. And in some way that's true. As I've already told you, as we speak, we can speak our way into believing the word of God. Every skill that you have learned from the time you learned how to walk and talk, every skill you have learned has been completely unnatural. All the way through from learning to walk and talk to math to when you first got married, you had to figure out how that is. How does, how does this work? Everything requires, that's good requires effort. And everything that is completely natural and effortless is laziness and destruction. Right? You could lay in bed and eat Fritos all day. And it would not go anywhere good. Yeah? Yeah. If we give in to how we feel because it's easy or natural or it's just how I feel, it's going to lead to death and destruction. Fighting how we feel in real faith is what God expects, and it actually is faith. It isn't lying, it is faith. It takes no effort to be unhappy or sad or fearful or angry. It takes intentional effort to be content and thankful and happy. There are two ways to fake something. One is a lie and the other is faith. And let me give you an example. Sam, would you help me out, please? Would you go stand back there in the gap behind the chairs? Let me show you how there are two ways to be fake. And one is a lie and one is love. All right, so you're in Walmart shopping. And around the corner of the end of the aisle comes the most annoying person you would never want to run into, right? We're acting, all right? I don't feel this way, okay? Okay, we're acting, but we're going to act, all right? So here is, I am busy, I've got a to-do list, I need to get my shopping done, and I need to get out of Walmart, I do not need to be in here talking to people, and, and then on top of that, not only do I just run into somebody, but I just oh, good God, why did it have to be Sam, God, okay, so this is you, you run around the corner on the peanut butter aisle, and there is the most annoying person you would never, ever hope to run into. I guarantee you, none of you are going to turn around and run and say, Sam, I hate you, I don't want to talk to you. You're all that much of a liar. You would never, ever say the truth, no matter how much you dislike that person. You are going to be fake. You are. We all are. You got your customer service smile on. Y'all got those customers you can't stand and you treat them the same as the customers you like. You have to. Come on. All right, so we're stuck in this situation now. I have to be fake because I really don't want to talk to Sam. I can lie or I can love. Okay, so if I'm fake and I'm a liar... I'm going to come with a big fake smile. Oh, Sam, it's so good to run into you. How are Hello, you? Good? Man. Good? Yeah. All right. Well, see you. Have a nice day. Yeah. Yeah. Get on. Yeah. And in my attitude, in my, my face, I got a nice smile on and I am being all friendly, but I am totally lying to him because I, I want to get out as fast as I can. Situation two, for the Christian, by the Spirit, I still have the same feelings. Sam is just plain flat annoying to me. I would rather not run into him. But as we walk down the aisle across the peanut butter and coffee, I can get a hold of myself like David says. So, get a hold of yourself. Suck it up here. I can. Okay, God, this is not what I wanted today, but you love him. I can love him too. It's all right. Mitch, I can be really patient. I can give him some time. Sam... It is good to see you. How are you today? And I can genuinely care about him even though I still don't feel like I really want to be doing this. I can do it by faith. I'm still denying my feelings. We're done. Thank you. That was was totally pretend. I'm still denying my feelings but in the first one I am lying and the second one I am dying. I am killing myself and my own pride and selfishness and I'm going to love him and give him some time and be a blessing. You do this on Sunday morning when you come to worship. Some of you come here and you are full of energy and you're alive and you're jacked up and you're excited. And like, yes, God is good and I'm excited to be alive. But most of the time you probably come in tired or in pain or, why am I even out of bed? And then Ted picks a bunch of songs you hate. And i like, God is good. Good is good. I don't remember when God was ever good. There's sometimes you do not feel like worshiping. You're not in the mood to come to church. God deserves our worship whether we feel like it or not. Hello? Come on. We can lie our way through worship and just. Stand in the back and try to act like I'm this happy Christian and I got it all together and I ain't got nothing wrong. Or I can decide by faith, I still feel the way I feel, but I can deny it by faith and lay it down and say God is worthy to be worshipped regardless of what just happened in my life. Regardless of the pain or the battles or whatever troubles it is, God is worthy. And so it is with happiness. I can lie. That I got everything together and it's all happy and I have no problems and no pain. Or I can die to myself. I can put my feelings down. Not denying that they're real, but I don't need to bring that out. I can, I can be pleasant with this person. I can be joyful. I can worship God on purpose. I can be friendly. By the Spirit, the Bible says, by the Spirit put to death the works of the flesh. When I say happy or joyful, I don't mean you have to be Tigger, but you can't be Eeyore. Uh, I don't mean you have to be a Tigger Christian, you know, and just, oh, Tiggers love to bounce. You can be that if that's how you feel. It's great. But we can't be Eeyore. I don't mean that you have to be chipper or shallow or false or even energetic or even fun. You may be just a really calm flat personality and and you like to be quiet and not have the center of attention all that's totally fine but if we're going to have real joy in the lord we can't be a downer of a person a complainer can't be a drain or somebody who dumps our problems on somebody we will be givers of encouragement and support and love and faith we will be intentionally pleasant and interactive person content and thankful and peaceful we will cause other people to smile and I don't mean being immature or silly or goofy or thoughtless, but I do mean not being moody. Giving into our moods is not godly. David says, my soul is downcast and disturbed, but I will think about God and I will change my face. Yes. So still, somebody's going to say, well, Mitch, this is inauthentic. This is hypocrisy. And I want to be an authentic person. Well, Belching and farting are authentic. Bad breath and body odor are the authentic you. But you shower and brush your teeth so that we don't have to put up with the authentic you. And we are thankful. We are. You may not know or care that you stink, but the rest of us do. And so, you may not be aware actually of how offensive your complaining is. How you're driving people away by every time they talk to you. Most of the time you bring up your problems, or you complain about your boss, or just whatever. You're a downer, so people, you are the person that wants somebody runs around the corner at Walmart. Or they're not even going to ask you how your day is because they know your answer. Happy people attract other people. Miserable people repel other people. Somebody's still going to say, well, I'm authentic. I'm a real person. I call it like I see it. I say what I think, and I don't hide my true feelings. I'm not fake. Well, no, you're a baby. Babies let everyone know how they're feeling. Everyone in the room, everyone in the car, everyone in the airplane gets to know exactly how that baby is feeling. To not act how we feel, you're an adult. The maturing of a person is to learn to keep your mouth shut about how you feel. That's how you grow from baby to toddler to teenager who still doesn't know. And then we have some adults that never figured it out, but... If you don't act how you feel, you're an adult. Babies let everybody know how they feel, right? So Dennis Prager is a man who wrote a book called Happiness is a Serious Problem. He gave a speech based on this that Sarah and I watched on YouTube. And and, uh, he was talking about this. And his speech, he titled it, Happiness is a Moral Obligation. I want to tell you some of what he said He's a really, really good guy. He's not a Christian, but he's a believing and practicing Jew. He's a friend of Christians. He's worked with Robbie Zacharias in the past. and He's a really, really good guy. If you see PragerU online, you need to watch those things. You need to read his book or listen to whatever he says. He's a righteous man. But he says in this speech, happiness is a moral obligation. Happiness is not a feeling. It's not a psychological state. It's not an emotional state. Happiness is a moral obligation before God and other people. And I want to add, being chronically unhappy is a sin. I don't mean the feelings. I mean being chronically long-term unhappy is a sin. Back to Dennis Prager. He said, to prove that happiness is a moral obligation is very easy. He said, ask anyone who's raised by an unhappy parent if happiness is not a moral obligation. We are morally obliged. We are required by God to be content.'" Because if you were raised by an unhappy parent who turned abusive or drank too much or was always chasing money and therefore always working and always gone because they were never content and happy, or they committed adultery because they weren't happy in their marriage, you know how destructively violent unhappiness is. To be unthankful, to be discontent, to be unhappy is violent on the people around us. He says, ask anyone, this is Prager. He says, ask anyone married to an unhappy, angry, unpleasable person and tell me that happiness shouldn't be a requirement of morality. Is that sinking in? We owe it to everyone around us our spouse, our children, our parents, our coworkers, and our boss to be happy. I'm not saying we have to feel anything, we have to be happy. Choose to be content. Choose to be pleasant. Choose to think on what's going right instead of think, focus on what's going wrong. In Prager again, in all of life, behavior matters more than feelings. Happiness is almost always a choice. It's ne- almost never a natural feeling. Some of you have such cheerful demeanors. And a naturally pleasant personality that you hardly ever have a bad day. Most of us have a lot of good days and bad days. Some people never have a good day. Every day is bad. That's your own attitude. That is as much your personality as the person that never has a bad day, even when they should. Most of us are up and down all the time. And we have really good moments and and really, really bad moments. And every age of life is a battle to be happy. Teenagers are famous for angst and depression. And you think, well, if we grow up, we'll have it better. But then, when you're trying to start out newly married and with kids, and it life's hard. There's lots of financial pressures and career pressures, and then then you reach the stage in middle life where. You're famous for having a midlife crisis and you're taking care of your parents and your kids. And so if I just, if we just get the house paid off, if we just do that, then we'll finally relax and get happy. And then finally you're elderly and they're famous for complaining about their aches and pains and problems and the kids and grandkids never come to see me. There is never going to be a time when we're just naturally happy. There is never coming a season in your life where things are going to relax and get easy. It's not going to happen. Every day... In every age and season of your life, it will be a choice whether you're happy or not. In every job, in every relationship, it is a choice to be cheerful or not. In all of life, behavior matters more than feelings. Prager says this is the most important message for Americans today because he says approximately six people in the entire world care how you feel. The other six billion only care about how you behave. Approximately six people care about your feelings. The other six billion don't. They care how you act. And again, Dennis Prager speaking, he says, we live in a feelings-based society and it's killing us. How do you feel about it has replaced what is right and wrong. And feelings are the very worst guide to what is right and wrong. Because feelings are a roller coaster. If we were to chart our feelings through the course of a week, we would look pretty psycho. (laughs) If we would graph that. So Prager tells a story of when he was in middle school and he and a friend are talking about their classmates that they think might be happy. And his, the friend's mom listened to this from the kitchen for a while and then she puts down her knife on the counter and she says, listen boys, the only happy people I know are the ones I don't know very well. The only happy people I know are the ones I don't know very well. Because the, the people you know better and closer, the more you learn their pains and their heartbreaks, and they're demons. If you think somebody has got it all together. And they're happy. And they're content. And they're blessed. And they're so loving and kind. And cheerful and mature. You don't know them at all. Everybody's got pain. And heartbreak. And demons to fight. In our church family. I don't mean to uh, rank anyone. And I don't mean to leave anyone out. But. I think some of the cheeriest, happiest, consistently smiling people in our church are in the room right now. It'd be Kim Stratton and Larry Robbins and Karen Cravino. They're always happy. The kids love Larry. He's always passing out candy, which is an attraction, (laughs) but he's always smiling and cheerful. Today I walk into worship and he grabs my hand and he smiles at me. He said, I'm so happy to be here. Like, I'm happy you're here too, Larry. Karen is so exuberant and expressive, it kind of weirded me out when I first met her. And now we love her. She's our best friend and great. And Kim, you are always smiling and cheerful and always got a hug and an encouragement for somebody. But if you know any of these three, you know they have lived through tragedy with a capital T. and Their smile has nothing to do with the fact that their life has gone easy and well. It is a choice by faith. I'm not going to let my circumstances dictate my countenance. I don't mean to put any of you on the spot. I honor all three of you. And there's others too. There's totally, there's totally others of you that I know. You're, you are cheerful and content and happy by faith. The only happy people you know are the ones you don't know really well. So the point is, you can't have a fantasy that someday I will be happy. That's a lie. That is a lie from Satan to keep you from living by faith. You're living in fantasy. Someday life will be easy. I'll have my house paid for. I'll be able to retire and fish every day and I won't have any problems and things will go well and I will be happy. No, the choice is to be happy today by faith, to be full of joy and faith in God and choose To rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say it. Rejoice. Always. Not when happiness arrives. When you choose to act happy. To be content. To think thankful thoughts on purpose. Like David. You will never envy anyone again. You will get rid of self pity. And you will never feel sorry for yourself. You will never be jealous again. You will understand that the cheeriest people you know are doing it by faith, on purpose. Behavior is intentional, by faith. The choice to embrace love and joy and peace. Because we all have 3 a.m. thoughts. You know what your brain does at 3 a.m. Here's what happens. Your brain at 3 a.m. I can see you're trying to sleep. So I would like to offer you a selection of every memory, unresolved issue, or things you should have said or done today or anywhere in the past 40 years. I will bring it all up to you, and you can start sweating. Anybody else been there, done that? Yeah, Uh uh-huh, last night, yeah, yeah. We all have 3 a.m. thoughts. Dennis Prager asks, have any of you ever woken up at 3 a.m. laughing yourself awake? Probably not. When you do wake up at 3 a.m., do you laugh yourself to sleep? No, we don't. We want, Why did I say that? Why did that happen? Oh, I wish I had done that differently. How are we going to pay that bill? Oh, no, what if this happens? Yeah, yeah, 3 a.m. Is, is a famous hour. for. We all have those. So, to be content and happy is always a choice. We all have sad feelings and memories. We all fight demons. We all have broken hearts. It is easy and natural To feel unhappy. It is completely unnatural to act happy. It is unnatural to act happy. And so I want to say this. It is actually immoral. It is a sin to act how we feel. Lots of examples. But if I feel attraction to any other woman on the planet besides Sarah. It would be a sin for me to act on that in any way. Hello? That's a really easy one to to see. I can't. I'm not even talking about sex. I can't even send her a text. I can have zero relationship with any other woman but her. I cannot act how I feel. If I have serious suicidal temptations, and some of you may be shocked at that, but I would guess more people than you know in the room right now have had a time or a season in their life where it was a very real, serious feeling. I I don't want to live. If I act on how I feel, I am sinning against God and myself. If I feel rage, I cannot act on that. If I feel hate, if I feel greed, if I feel desire for alcohol or drugs, if I wake up in the morning and feel like I don't want to go to work, I cannot act on that feeling. If you're an adult. Some of the young people just call in and say, I'm not going to work today. adulting is hard. It's worth it. You can't act on how you feel. It's a sin. It is actually immoral to act on our feelings. It is just as faithless and godless to give in to feelings of depression or stress or bitterness or fantasies of escape. I want to escape my marriage. I want to escape my job. But I don't ever leave. I just fantasize all the time. That's going to ruin your heart. It's going to ruin your life. General unhappiness is just as faithless and godless and we can't give in to those feelings. Proverbs 4.23 says this, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Another translation says, keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. Guard your heart, get out your sword of the spirit and chase those feelings off. They're not part of your faith and they're not true. I'm not saying they're not real. They can be very, very, very real. It can make your heart race and your stomach churn and the sweat start pouring. Very real, but they're not true. It's Satan lying to you. It's your flesh lying to you. It's your own fears and insecurities lying to you because it's not what God says about you. He says you are loved, you're cared for, you're forgiven, you have no shame. So it is not wrong to, f- to guard our heart. To fight our feelings off. In no way am I saying the feelings are a sin. Jesus had feelings as well as us. It's not a, temp- it's not a sin to be tempted. Jesus, Hebrews says Jesus was tempted in every way just like us. There is no sin that anybody on, in, on planet earth has ever done or had a temptation about that Jesus doesn't understand. No one on judgment day will be able to stand before Jesus and say, well you just don't understand. You weren't as depressed as me. You weren't as poor as me. You weren't as tempted as me. No, he felt whatever you have felt, he felt it worse. But he did not sin. The feelings are not sin. The temptation is not sin. And, and the Bible actually, as far as negative emotions, the Bible says Jesus was the man most acquainted with sorrow. It says Jesus was anointed with more joy than any other person ever, but he is also the man most acquainted with sorrow. In world history, he's the most broken-hearted, sad, lonely person. I mean, you would be your God and no one knows it. (laughs) Nobody has been lonelier than Jesus. Nobody has been more rejected, more thoroughly mistreated compared to what he deserved. No one has been more mistreated than Jesus. And the Bible says he was the most acquainted with sorrow of any man. But do you think he went around depressed and angry? Is that your picture of how he taught the Sermon on the Mount? (laughs) That he went up on a mountain and he just railed and screamed and complained against the world and the government and the politics and he... Absolutely not. No. He wasn't depressed or angry or complaining or pouting. No, he's attractive to billions of people over thousands of years because he acted in kindness and love even when he was exhausted. Even when he wanted to get away from people, you can see that all through the Gospels. He's constantly trying to go away because he's been ministering all day long to thousands of people and I just need to go get some sleep. And there's another person that needs him and he gives it. He's giving kindness and love when, he wants, when he's on his way somewhere and he gets interrupted. He's busy, he's got things to do. He's on his way to raise the girl from the dead and a woman interrupts him and he lets her. He takes care of her and then he goes on. I would think that if somebody just died, that would be the time to uh, tell everybody uh, later. But he doesn't. When he's lonely, when he is in bloody trauma, he's still ministering to people. On the worst day of his life, as he is ignored by his closest friends, he's patient with them. He's under such stress that his sweat pores are bleeding. His friends sleep through it. Not only do they not care, they're not even aware. And he doesn't go and kick them and say, why don't you guys care about me? Help me pray. He asks patiently, kindly, please, please stay awake with me. Please pray. But they don't. So he goes and wakes them up and says, come on, let's go. As the group of soldiers comes to arrest him, he heals one of the men who comes to arrest him. Everybody else runs off. In one case, John runs off naked. He's fleeing so fast to get away from Jesus. In his greatest moment of need, and he peacefully submits to arrest and trial and torture. He doesn't argue or defend himself against accusation and lies. As he is wearing a crown of thorns on his head, and his back is ripped open to his bare ribs, and he has at least three nails in his body, he stops to take care of his mom. And he saves the guy next to him. If anybody in world history had an excuse to have an off day, it would be Jesus on this day. But I am experiencing too much trouble myself to serve you. And not once, even as he is bleeding to death. Not once does he do the slightest little selfish or complaining thing. The only thing he says is, I'm thirsty. That's the only request he even makes. He gave away faith and joy and healing and love, regardless of how he felt physically or emotionally. If that's being fake, then I need to be more fake. But it's not fake, it's intentional faith. And I need more faith. Because I'm not ready to be, have nails driven through my wrists and uh, still be thinking about other people. I'm not there. That's real faith and real joy. The truth is there is tremendous pleasure in making somebody else happy. Prager says joy is about as great a gift as you can give away. You're going to make the world a better place if you are intentionally happy, content, thankful, cheerful person. Unhappy people make the world a worse place. It isn't the happy Muslims that strap on bombs and go blow themselves up. It's the angry, hateful ones. It isn't the happy Germans that joined the Nazi party. It was the ones that had a selfish agenda and wanted power and money. And It isn't the happy liberals that join Antifa, and it isn't the happy conservatives that go be a skinhead. These are angry, hateful, dissatisfied, hateful people. It isn't the angry Christian who's out there sharing the gospel and spreading love. Unhappy Christians are complaining about politics and condemning other denominations and living in fear of the world situation and they're too busy chasing earthly things that they think will make them happy someday and they end up wasting their lives wishing things were different. But a happy, content, joyful Christian is certainly not pain-free. They have broken hearts too. They battle their own demons, but they have made the choice of faith. To rejoice in the Lord always, 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 regardless of how they feel or how they're being treated or what battle they may be fighting or what wound may be bleeding. I will be thankful. I will be content. I will laugh. I will smile. I will count my blessings. I will love. I will rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Are you happy? Six of you are happy after all of that. Are you happy? Hopefully you feel better than when you came in, but even if you don't, you can still say yes. And it's not a lie. It's true. Choose happiness. Are you happy? Yes. All right. Be thankful. We have every reason to be thankful. We have every reason to rejoice. Even when it is unnatural in our feelings, it's still true. Because that's faith. Amen. Be happy. Rejoice. We have every reason. Lord, thank you for your word, thank you for your teaching. Thank you for your correction, Lord. Thank you for te- teaching us how to think about this. Lord, that rejoicing in you and feeling happy or not are not feelings, but a choice of faith. And so we choose, in faith now, to rejoice in you. We choose to be thankful. We choose to be content. We choose to do battle with the lies that come up in our hearts and minds that tell us we're lonely and depressed and angry. Lord, we chase out unforgiveness or bitterness or depression. We chase it out of our heart by your word and by your spirit. Lord, we ask for deliverance right now for those that deal with clinical depression and anxiety chronic anger, chronic unhappiness. Lord, I ask you to do a miracle by your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Set hearts free with your word and your truth today. We say yes to joy. We say yes to happiness. We say yes to celebration, to contentment, to thankfulness. Lord, forgive us for complaining. Forgive us for meditating on our problems and our bills and our broken relationships more than we meditate on your word and your promises and your truth. Lord, we want to put to death the deeds of our flesh by your Holy Spirit. We choose joy today in Jesus' name. I bless each person here, Lord, with joy and peace and love and faith in Jesus' name. Amen.